Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley is still dealing with the aftermath of her Civil War comments where she, oops, forgot that the thing was about slavery and completely omitted that from her answer. Now, a day after the whole thing blew up last week, Nikki Haley, of course, came out and then said, uh, uh, I mean, of course the Civil War was about slavery. We know that. That's the easy part. And then she claimed that the person in the audience was a Democrat plant sent there to trip her up because, you know, mentioning slavery as a cause for the civil war is somehow a trap. Hmm. You might, might want to rethink that because even your explanation doesn't really get you off the hook for it. And by the way, that's not coming from me. That is actually coming from Republicans of color who spoke to Politico, essentially saying that Nikki Haley is, as one of them put it, toast. Let me read you some of these comments. This is from uh, uh, Sher Michael Singleton, who worked on previous Republican presidential campaigns. He said, quote, she should have been able to answer the damn question and move on. She had a chance to be competitive even though she was always likely to lose the nomination. However, that's over now. She's toast. Another one, this was uh, Armstrong Williams, conservative talk show host. He said, there were so many other issues that caused the Civil War, whether it be states' rights, the role of our federal government at the time, the economy, uh, they felt it was in shambles. But what she has to realize is all these issues, no matter what they were, were inextricably bound to the institution of slavery. She cannot separate slavery from any of these issues, no matter how many she mentions. Um, and that's true. Like, hey, it's about states' rights. Yeah, states' rights to do what? To, to own other human beings as property. That's right. The role of the federal government. Yeah, the role of the federal government to do what? That's right to tell you, you can't own other human beings as property, <laughs> the economy. Yeah. Because what's the South going to do when they have to start paying people to work in the fields and do all of the other tasks that the slaves were doing? <laughs> like, yeah, you can mention those things, but at the end, it all boils down to slavery. Okay. Like, can we just admit that and move on? Which is what Nikki Haley should have done. But instead Nikki Haley wanted to pander to the MAGA far right. We don't like people of color crowd and left it out. Kind of like Ron DeSantis a few months ago when he was like, Hey, slaves learn lots of helpful things while being slaves ripped from their homeland, shipped overseas. Many of them died, killed, dumped overboard on the way over here and then harshly tortured throughout their entire tenure. But Hey, you learned how to do some things. So, uh, you know, it's all a wash, right? These people are sick. Like you can't just admit that slavery was bad, that slavery happened, that slavery thankfully came to an end after the civil war. And we're glad that it's over. Like, that's all you have to say. And then you move on. But because Haley couldn't do that, she is now involved in this like firestorm of, of her own making. And it couldn't have come at a worse time for her. She was surging in the polls. She was number two in New Hampshire and South Carolina. Whether or not you have voters of color on the Republican side that do fully revolt against her and say, I'm not going to vote for her now, that'll remain to be seen. Obviously this scandal, I guess you want to call it is fairly fresh. So we haven't had new polling data that has come out since she made the comments, but 
I'm willing to bet it's not going to help her. I know she thought it would, but in the end, this turned into a rather large scandal that of course is turning off voters of color on the Republican side in a way that Nikki Haley never imagined. I mean, who could have thought that pandering to the far right racists would come back and bite you in today's Republican party? To be honest, I'm sure she didn't think it would, but here she is now dealing with a scandal of her own design. Former Republican lawmaker Adam Kinzinger, in an interview this past week with the Midas Touch Network, doubled down on his recent comments that Donald Trump is just one smelly guy and admitted during the interview, well, I don't want to put words in his mouth, so let me just read you what Adam Kinzinger said just a few days ago. It's not good. The best way to describe it, take armpits, ketchup, a butt, and makeup, and put that all in a blender and bottle that as a cologne. That's kind of that. It's, I've been amazed that everybody is just kind of learning about this now. Now, of course, <laughs> a week or so before that, Kensinger had said, uh, I'm genuinely surprised how people close to Trump haven't talked about the odor. It's truly something to behold. Wear a mask if you can. And because of the original comments by Kensinger, it of course caused the hashtag Trump smells bad to trend on Twitter. Um, the Lincoln project has now put out a new ad that features heaps of dung garbage piling up in front of, uh, Donald Trump's building in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> there's a voiceover, uh, from an old Kathy Griffin clip where she says the Donald has a distinct smell. It's like body odor with a scented makeup product. Um, so yeah, the whole Trump smells thing is, uh, is really catching on and, and not going away. And Donald Trump's campaign, of course, after Kensinger made his first comment, <laughs> they gave a quote to the independent and they said, um, Adam Kensinger farted on live TV and is an unemployed fraud. So as I talked about <laughs> after the first comments, Kensinger's like, you smell. And they're like, but you farted. And again, it's just, it's the dumbest stuff in the world, but it's still a thing. Like, and that's, that's why I'm, I'm talking about it today because I want to present it this way. Can we please get back to at least a, a moderately more mature version of politics than what we have now? Like, doesn't everybody kind of want that just at least a little bit? And I'm not just saying about the whole Trump smells thing. It's funny, right? People like it, but can we go beyond that? Can we just not talk about the, the, the stink? Okay. There's so much stuff to go after Trump for, you know, having a distinct odor isn't necessarily something that I think is going to resonate with voters. You know, may, maybe talk about his trade war policies. Maybe talk about how much he hates uh, non-white immigrants. You know, talk about his revenge agenda, Project 2025. Th those seem like things people should talk about other than the smell. And again, moving to a more mature form of politics, it's not just about Trump's smell. It's the whole Lauren Boebert and Beetlejuice thing. I know I like to talk about it a lot, but come on now. We, we, can, we can talk about adults. Marjorie Taylor Greene has dumbed it all down. Matt Gates has. Jim Jordan has. I mean, for the love of God, politics all around us is getting more and more immature by the day. It's, it's kind of sickening.
It's more sickening than the smell they are saying Trump has, in my opinion. It would be great to at least be a little bit more mature, but we live in the world we live in. We have to deal with the reality that is in front of us. So apparently we have to talk about Donald Trump smelling like armpits, ketchup, and ass because that's just where politics is today. So over the weekend, I talked about the fact that Donald Trump's former lawyer, Kenneth Chesbrough, is not only cooperating in multiple different state investigations, but according to newly obtained audio, emails, and memos from Chesbrough with his cooperation in Michigan, he's pretty much thrown Donald Trump directly under that bus and given up all of the information about how the plan was in motion and being executed with regard to the fake electors and getting the slate of fake electors to Mike Pence on January 6th. They had a whole scheme. I talked about it again over this weekend. If you haven't seen it yet, please go watch that. But here's what I want to expand upon with that story. Because Chesbro, of course, was indicted alongside Donald Trump and, you know, a bunch of other folks in Georgia. Chesbro, right before, like literally the day before his trial was going to begin, he opted for a plea deal with Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Now, as part of that plea deal, he has to, as it says here, come clean about his role in the efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, including the fake elector scheme. So, because he's already given up all the goods to Michigan and Wisconsin, there's no reason why Fonnie Willis is not also going to have that same information. But what happened in Michigan and Wisconsin is not necessarily linked to the charges that he is facing in Georgia. Those are Georgia state charges, not federal charges. So you're not bringing in all this extraneous material to try to prove the RICO in Georgia. Now it'll help. Don't get me wrong. And she will bring it up because it is relevant, but it's not what it is for like the federal case. You know, Jack Smith is loving all this. This is absolutely going to help him. In Georgia though, Chesbro was also one of the guys involved in the efforts to get those 11,000 votes, right? To switch the Georgia electors. So as much as he knows about the Michigan and Wisconsin thing, which of course has now been made public, he knows the same amount of stuff over here in Georgia. Now, Fonnie Willis, unlike what we're seeing coming out of Michigan, because multiple leaks have happened from the Michigan investigation, uh, which honestly is probably not a very good thing, but it, you obviously you get somebody somewhere along that chain that is leaking stuff to the press, and that just gives more fodder to people on the right. But in Georgia, that's not happening, and that's a good thing. It's a good sign that we are not getting these kinds of leaks out of the state of Georgia because Chesbro has now been a cooperating witness in Georgia for two and a half months. And if you think for a second that Fonnie Willis hasn't already sat him down in a room, lawyers present, obviously, and gotten this same kind of information about Georgia, then you are kidding yourselves. She has absolutely been doing her homework out of all the people prosecuting Donald Trump right now. I think Fonnie Willis is probably the best. They, that's not even a close call either. Jack Smith is doing a phenomenal job. Fonnie Willis is running laps around Jack Smith though. 
She's keeping it tight-lipped. She's keeping it in-house. She's avoiding any leaks. She has not revealed anything that any of the cooperating witnesses have given her. She's keeping it very close to the chest. And if Chesbro knows as much about Georgia as he does about Michigan and Wisconsin and the other states, then this guy and this guy alone might be the one to send Donald Trump to a Georgia state prison. But he's not alone, is he? He's also got cooperating witnesses, including Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, the other guy who was lower on that ladder, whose name I keep forgetting, and I apologize for that. But when you take what Chesbro knows, add in what Sidney Powell knows, because she's the one who paid to send the people down there to Coffee County to steal the voting machine data. Add in what Jenna Ellis, who was working with Rudy Giuliani, add what she knows. And yeah, I think it's a pretty safe bet that Fonnie Willis, when it comes time to Trump's ti- uh, have Trump's trial, she's going to knock it totally out of the park. And a little bit of information here. If the other trials that Trump has, you know, like the one in front of Judge Chutkin, the one in front of Judge Cannon, if those continue to get delayed, Willis actually would be clear to move up her trial date. So instead of doing it in September, she may go earlier if everybody else has to push theirs back. So keep an eye on that because that could certainly change the game for next year's election. MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell has been sending out just email after email after email, day after day after day, to his supporters, begging them to obviously send him money, send him money for multiple different things. He has the uh, Election Crime Bureau, he's calling it. He has the Lindell Offense Fund, not Defense Fund, Offense Fund, right? Because you're going to go out there and send our little drones to all these polling stations and hope that we don't get hit with criminal charges for doing that because it's not legal. But in several of his emails that he sent out last weekend, Lindell decided to thank Jimmy Kimmel for a segment that Kimmel had run two weeks prior, just making fun of Jimmy Kimmel for like 10 or 15 minutes straight. Now, Kimmel again, two weeks before Lindell starts sending out these emails about it, did a segment that was called Mike Lindell's My Christmas Spectacular. It was a variety show that included appearances from real and imagined MAGA stars, including Janine Pirro, the QAnon shaman, George Santos, and Representative Lauren Boebert, whose Golden Dukes nominated Beetlejuice scandal made for a memorable punchline. Lindell waits up all night for rightful President Trump, who never actually arrives. Following a heartwarming conversation with Kimmel, Lindell admits he feels Trump has been with him all along in his heart and in the hearts of, quote, all who still believe in the magic of Christmas. Um, so uh, uh, Kimmel, as per usual, just roasted the hell out of Mike Lindell. It wasn't the real Mike Lindell. It was an impersonator who does actually a really good job. But Kimmel has been one of the people who just consistently, routinely, repeatedly, and hilariously roast the hell out of Mike Lindell. It's been wonderful, and I've loved every segment that he's done about it. But Lindell decided to include that in his little email to all his supporters, begging them for money. And this is what Lindell said in the email. While our campaign to save America ramps up, we are also thankful to comedian Jimmy Kimmel's latest attempt at humor. 
and his free publicity given to our great crusade to save America. <laughs> All of the conspiracies I touted are coming to pass. What the Lindell Offense Fund has said since day one, machines are connected to the internet, machines can be hacked, and elections can be rigged. In all seriousness, we're excited to have the earned media, media we don't pay for, and we're happy to continue the conversation about rigged elections and stolen votes, no matter what the venue. Now, um, I noticed my Lindell impression kind of went into a Trump impression there at the end. I'm sorry about that. Um, here's the thing. There was no rigging. There was no hacking. None of that. Everything Lindell says is not true. Okay. He's like, the conspiracies are coming true. No, they're not. They're still conspiracies. That's why you're still referring to them as conspiracies. But let me tell you something, Lindell, Mike, if I may, not all publicity is good publicity. Like, do you genuinely think that anybody who watches those segments on Jimmy Kimmel, where again, he's roasting the hell out of you. Do you think there's any buddy in this country that sees that and suddenly says, you know what? I think Mike Lindell's onto something. I think Mike Lindell is right. This comedy skit making fun of him for being a crackpot has changed my mind about it. And I'm now going to send him money. See Lindell kind of like Donald Trump is still operating under the false assumption that all publicity is good publicity. Even negative publicity is good publicity. It's not. It 100% is not. People are making fun of you because they think you're crazy. And the audience through these skits comes to think that you are crazy. And if you don't think that comedy skits have an impact on how people view individuals, then let me direct you to Sarah Palin and her, I can see Russia from my house comments, right? We all remember Sarah Palin saying that, except she never said it. That was Tina Fey from Saturday Night Live. Sarah Palin never said that. She never said it. But a majority of people in this country think that Sarah Palin said it because Tina Fey said it while impersonating Sarah Palin on Saturday Night Live back in 2008. That is how powerful these comedy segments are. They change the public's perception of these people. They truly do. So Lindell can thank Jimmy Kimmel all he wants, but in reality, I really think he's getting his feeling hurt, feelings hurt and he's trying to put on a brave face. But I personally want to thank Jimmy Kimmel because he is doing a phenomenal job of continuously reminding the public of how just absolutely bonkers all of these Trump loyalists really are. And Jimmy Kimmel is doing it probably even better than the folks on cable news. So I will thank Jimmy Kimmel, but Lindell, you probably need to be worried because he's not giving you free publicity. He's just getting everybody to laugh at you. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced.